Hello and welcome to another edition of the Ulster Rugby Roundup. I'm Gareth Hanna and with me are Jonathan Bradley. Hello, how are you? And the returning Adam McKendrick. Hey guys. Back from South Africa and here to tell us all the tales. This week we've got that trip to look back on, including more late drama in the draw with Cheetahs. We'll also look ahead to Ulster's trip to Munster this weekend as the pre-international interpros begin. We've got plenty of listener questions as always at Club Roundup. But first, South Africa. How was it, Adam? Well, I didn't get a tan, so that's not a good thing. But, <laughs> but I don't you're ginger. So. <laughs> no, I mean I got really badly sunburnt at the Irish Open later yeah, yeah. this year, like on the back of my legs. It was horrible. Uh, but I don't think I'm capable of getting a tan, so I suppose I can't be too upset. But no, South Africa was brilliant. Um, got to go to Bloemfontein, obviously, which was new from last year, and it's it's a really great city. Got to walk around a bit of the city centre and it's not it's not quite as modern as Port Elizabeth but I I quite like that but um, no it's, I, I just love South Africa as a country it's just so different to everything that we have here and like what, in what way well <laughs> one of the first things I saw was two people sitting in the back of a pickup truck hurtling at about 70 miles an hour down the highway so you definitely don't see that here <laughs> yeah. no seat belts no anything like that but so a, a lack of general safety <laughs> is what you're saying the main difference is one of the things i just love is their passion for rugby because i was waiting in johannesburg airport to get the flight to port elizabeth and i was sitting outside a cafe and all of a sudden 30 guys just came and sat down beside me all whooping and hollering and I had absolutely no idea what it was and all of a sudden they changed, there were two TVs above the cafe and they changed it to the Springboks All Blacks game okay. and these boys went absolutely buck daft <laughs> every single time the Springboks scored these guys were whooping and hollering and running up and down the corridor it was mad um, and then I had to go before the match was over but I was waiting in line to board the plane and some boy got out his phone and got the game on his phone and immediately like 30 guys piled around him and tried watching <laughs> it. Like, it. They love their rugby. And that, I think that, that translated over into the games as well because they had just over 5,000 at the Kings game and they were saying the Springboks winning drives people to games, which I think was such a big difference and yeah. it's, it still looked empty you know that's that's just how it is in such a big stadium and I was I was fascinated by the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium because I didn't get get to go last year and it's such an amazing place but whenever the Springboks win every, everyone wants to go and see their local teams so I think that really helped the Kings but South Africa in general was just fantastic getting to see some of the guys like outside of a rugby environment was good to uh, see how they get on outside of that so it's uh, it's great to see and I had a fantastic time worth the trip then? absolutely worth the trip it's, like genuinely I would recommend people doing it if, if you're like sort of 50-50 on the fence about yeah. whether you should go or not I would really recommend going because it's a, it's a great trip away maybe a few more chances next year with the other two teams uh, possibly coming in I hope so yeah I, I love going to new places so I think I'm a little bit biased there <laughs> Well, let's talk about the rugby then. On the pitch on Friday night, a um, bit of a frustrating one probably, but could have been a lot worse. The 39-39 draw, more sort of last gasp heroics from Ulster. But what did you what did you make of it? Well, 
the thing was, you were, you were maybe expecting a bit worse because whenever you take into account that you know you had the five day turnaround, you're playing in unfamiliar conditions. I know they they went for a training session on Tuesday, and the coaches worked them really hard, like flat out blowout session, and the guys were absolutely shattered after it. And that was in Grey College, wasn't it? It was at Grey College. Ruben Pinar's alma mater, Shalk van der Merve's alma mater as well. Uh, Ricard Strauss, so we're just going to name them. <laughs> we're just going to go through them. I I did a piece on it, so I know practically the entire Grey College Springbok <laughs> quota. Um, but they uh, they worked them really hard, and I think that really helped them during the game because yeah. you know ha- having that exposure to the altitude and to the elements really sort of carried over to the game. But the, go- going in, you were very worried. Without John Cooney in an unfamiliar scenario, in unfamiliar conditions, especially when McSwaney went over for the for the late score, you thought, well, that that's the killer blow. But just once again from Ulster, I honestly don't know where this has come from. Dan McFarland was saying the players just have that natural ability to never say never, but the the absolute desire from Alan O'Connor to go and win the restart. Mm. Some of the carries they were putting in, those those guys were absolutely gassed by the end of the game. But Timoney, O'Toole, Diesel, they were all putting in these massive carries towards the end. Angus Kernan showing great composure from a 19-year-old to have, have the ability to step back in as opposed to just going for the corner, seeing the line mm. and thinking, I'm going to go for that. You know, get, getting back inside to try and get the easier conversion I was just so impressed by how they did that and I mean seven points I know Dan said afterwards that they wanted two wins and they would preferred eight points and obviously you would prefer eight points but coming away from South Africa with seven points in all the circumstances they were under five day turnaround conditions um, having to deal with a, a squad with two guys pulling out 24 hours or within 24 hours before the game I, I think seven points is a great total to come away with. Everybody seems to, or a lot of people seem to sort of think that, or be saying that that draw, two points coming away, seven points, isn't, is not is fine, it's pretty good. But, I mean, am I a bit naive in thinking, actually this team is not great to say that a draw against that's acceptable? Like, surely Ulster should be winning that match. Or is that is that an oversimplified way of looking at things? I think that's probably looking at the match in isolation of Ulster playing a team that they should be better than. Yeah. Um, we've sort of looked at this a few times in a few different podcasts this season where we've made the point that the Cheetahs have certainly been the least impressive team in the league so far. Um, in stark contrast to how they were last year, essentially a very different team than the one that made the playoffs. And they were so good at home last year Obviously, they lost the first game at home. And the first four weeks of this season, if you like, have just been a shifting narrative on the Cheetahs from the team that we saw end last season, moving from concerns that they're not going to be as good to the realisation that they're not going to be as good. So if you look at the four games as a block, the four pre-Interpro games as a block, 15 points is a good return from those games they were playing two teams that finished above them last year the trip to South Africa um, in, that included a five day turnaround and I think that's an important thing as well so you're talking about 30 hours travel there um, a big travel day 
in the middle, which Adam will probably be able to tell more of the details of, and then the 30 hours traveling back. So to come away from that trip with seven points, the point dropped to me is almost not getting the bonus point against the Kings. Like if you're coming back with eight points, then you're golden and everyone's delighted. Mm-hmm. Seven points I still think is a decent return and looked at as part of an overall picture. 15 points from the first four games is a good return because it wouldn't have surprised me at all if Ulster had have dropped one of those first two games at home playing against a good Scarlet side and a good Edinburgh side. Mm-hmm. Now, the other side of this coin is they're on 15 points but they've won seven of them after the 79th minute. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> It could be a very different picture, and you can see the small margins because, like, Edinburgh have gone the other way and lost close games by and large, and are sitting bottom of the conference, which yeah. is not something anybody would have predicted um, coming in. Now, there's been refereeing decisions there, the one against Ulster that they lost later on, so there have been mitigating circumstances there. Richard Cockrell's had his say on them, but if you want to look at this as a block of four games then I think it's been a very successful return from what we maybe expected when we saw the fixtures come out in mid-July. Cheetahs, we'll we'll all admit, are not as good as we um, remember them being last year. Mm -hmm. So that changes the complexion of it a little bit. But for me, just the final thing to remember about looking at this block of games is Ulster went into that um, Kings game without John Cooney. Without Rory Best, without Ian Henderson, without um, Jordy Murphy, the those guys you would and those guys you would say are their safest bets to be Irish internationals um, throughout the throughout this season. So you're playing without all of those guys. Will Addison obviously missed out as well. He's another one that looks like he may be in that international mix. So this was essentially a game that could have been played in November or during the Six yeah. Nations given the panel that Ulster had out so to be coming away with that with the amount of points that they have just one point behind um, Leinster who we all expect to be the pace setters but five ahead of Scarlets six ahead of Benetton and uh, nine ahead of Edinburgh I think so personally you'd have is, taken yeah exactly you would have bitten somebody's arm off for that at <laughs> yeah, the start of the that's season fair. think about all the young guys that Ulster have given massive exposure to you take the likes of Angus Kernan and Eric O'Sullivan, who now have their first starts. Mm-hmm. You have Angus Curtis, who's had some good time. Tom O'Toole is just going from strength to strength, really. You look at what Ulster are doing to start this season. Not only are they winning games, but you have guys in this squad who haven't actually lost a game with Ulster yet. You know, Angus Kernan and Eric O'Sullivan are yet to lose a game. We made we made so much of James Ryan. Now, James Ryan is a, is a completely different sort of player, but as it stands, Eric O'Sullivan and Angus Kernan don't know what it is mm. to lose at a senior level yet. You should probably enjoy that feeling over the next few <laughs> days. <laughs> but that, that's the kind of thing that you, you've brought them into the senior environment and they're already experiencing a winning environment. And now they've gone away to South Africa. They've been able to bond a lot. You've got the likes of Caleb Montgomery, who is away as well. Mm. There are a lot of guys integrating into this squad who are getting to know other guys, who are enjoying what they're doing. They're getting a chance to impress uh, the coaches Mm. in a foreign environment. Everything is sort of building up just 
quite nicely. It's sort of simmering a little bit at the moment. Mm-hmm. They haven't exploded, but um, th- there is the potential that this side is on the right track. I still think they've got a massive way to go. Like I'm not trying to say that all of a sudden Ulster are going to become one of the best teams in Europe whenever they click. I still think there's a long way for them to go. But th- there's enough from this team early on, and especially now that they've had that bit of time to gel being away for a couple of weeks in South Africa, it- it's a nice close group, and that mm. sometimes bodes well for going forward, especially when you're trying to build something for maybe a couple seasons down the line rather than competing right now. Mm. What well, it's sort of in my head. You mentioned there. What did that team bond sort of look like on the during the trip on the non-game days? Um, Henry Spate brought a ukulele and couldn't Fantastic. play a note of it. Apparently, <laughs> so <laughs> whenever they were in the airports, he would randomly just break out the ukulele and start strumming it, but not actually to a tune of anything. He would just start strumming it. Um, but the guys, it, it's so different to back home because. Whenever you're here in Belfast, you obviously go home after training, and if you want to meet up after training, you you'll usually go off in your friend groups or stuff like that. Whenever you're out there, you're with people twenty four seven. You know, you have to talk to guys, you have to get to know other guys, and that's that's the thing because you're sort of forced out of your comfort zone. You remember like your first day in school where you don't really know anyone, you have to go and make friends. It's not quite like that, but it's quite similar in mm. that you have to go and talk to other people because you need to know them. So there's guys playing. I hate those social situations. <laughs> and I'm not good at making friends. But you know, the guys were playing cards. They had a table tennis table in uh, the hotel in Port Elizabeth, which apparently everyone got really competitive over. Jared Payne said that he was destroying Adam McBurney, although apparently everyone was destroying Adam McBurney Good at table tennis. So. table tennis lessons. <laughs> um, then, we should fund that as a podcast. <laughs> personal development. We can barely fund the podcast. <laughs> touché, touché. Well, thinking more about the game uh, itself, Dave Shanahan was somebody that, that uh, Adam had written about in his little five things um, piece. That's a plug for the website. Yes, it is. And... Um, just about how well he did coming in there and how much hope he's given for Ulster in terms of backup. What did you what did you make him, Jonathan? I think it was a much improved performance. I still think that um the reserve scrum half is one of Ulster's weaker positions in terms of depth. because um, we were so used to for so long um it being Ryan Pienaar and when Ryan Pienaar didn't play it was Paul Marshall and very different players but you had that level of experience from both of them um, whereas now there's a real dearth of experience behind John Cooney and the more John Cooney does with John Go Cooney for it, let doing, them know that we have sweets Okay, yeah. sweets, Adam got sweets, it's fantastic very, <laughs> very gingerly trying to get into the packet there while I was talking Um <laughs> If John Cooney continues to do what he's doing, and especially with the injury situation of Conor Murray, you figure that you're going to be missing John Cooney for the entirety of November, which we've said time and time again is actually only two games. But <laughs> um, but still, people fret. <laughs> two games that they're probably going to lose anyway. Um, it's two games more than you want it to be. <laughs> well, we'll get onto the whole away game thing later, but it's yeah. <laughs> away to Benetton and away to Scarlet. So... Um, you're in that position where you don't have the same depth, you don't have the same experience. So 
it was a big thing for Shannon to come on or to come into that game and play well but we need to see more of that because it's not something that we've seen regularly from the backup nines mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't quite ready for you to finish talking there you know, <laughs> I was looking something up there you've got me by surprise uh, what about the defence again it, even just from watching the highlights it was just like watching through your fingers of like oh no the thing with the defence is again it was missed tackles so it's an individual thing in this instance you know 77% tackle success rate is not good mm. obviously um, especially compared to even the cheetahs who are not known as a defensive juggernaut being able to hit 85 in their success rate but the other thing as well is and you don't want to solely judge yourself you know we talked about the eye test before and the eye test is important if a team looks bad defensively there's a fair chance that they are but the fact of the matter is that in Ulster's conference in terms of points conceded only Leinster are doing better Leinster conceded 72 points Ulster conceded 88 nobody else in the conference is doing better than that if you look even in compared to conference A as well Ospreys have conceded 86 so that's 2 Connaught and Munster are both under that 80 mark and again nobody else is so the defence statistically compared to the other teams in terms of points conceded which at the end of the day is the most important thing you know, you can miss... But then you could say that the fixtures that Ulster have probably haven't been the most difficult fixtures they're going to face. Edinburgh, Edinburgh Scarlets, or Scarlets? Scarlets, are home. Scarlets are the best. They haven't had any the big set. away trips. Or Scarlets are the second best attacking team in the Group 14. We've, we've next to Leinster. And Cheetahs, for as much as they struggle, um, score an awful lot of points still at mm-hmm. home on the limited evidence that we have. Obviously, they didn't do anything against Munster so that's um, hurting their stats considerably but they did manage to score points against Ospreys they did manage to score points against Glasgow and yes they managed to score points against Ulster but we're dealing with very small sample sizes Mm. at the minute but like for instance Edinburgh have conceded the same amount of points as Ulster but have scored half the same amount so Ulster's attack at the minute is doing plenty enough to compensate for the points that they're conceding, which again isn't a great amount compared to the other teams. The issue that you have is when you come into the bigger games and you're not going to score as many points. That's the concern. Like you can't miss twenty five percent of your tackles against Monster. You can't miss twenty five percent of your tackles against Racing. And these are the games that are coming up where there's a really big run of games now going into November, essentially, where if we look at the four of them, if Ulster probably win their home games out of that block, then it's would be the baseline for expectations. Mm-hmm. But if you lie aside like Racing to uh, run right, then the game can get away from you very quickly, as we saw in La Rochelle. Mm-hmm. last time so it's something that you do need to improve naturally but you always want to improve but if you're looking at it for me the baseline is always going to be how many points are you giving up like that's yeah. the that's the be all and end all really mm-hmm. but I take the point right. that they need to improve for when they're playing the better yeah. sides that they're going to be playing yeah. in 
Fair. Jared Payne would be proud of that defence of his defence. Um, <laughs> just very quickly then, before we move on from the game, uh, 53% of the vote on this week's Man of Match poll, Darren Cave. So uh, another impressive performance from him. For someone who was brought in last minute because Craig Gilroy got injured, it was a great performance. Now, I think he was helped by the fact that he has been playing for the rest, like the first three games of the season. It wasn't like he was coming in completely uh, cold or anything like that. But Darren Cave really improves the defence. and <laughs> We've just slated the defence, but one of the things that he does is he makes his tackles. He's a great... He's a great marshaller in defence. And they added the attacking game uh, on uh, on Friday as well. He ran great lines uh, for the first try off Stuart McCloskey for the second try. And then you have Shannon on your inside for the easy pass in. I will admit I was worried about Henry Spate playing 13, given that he hasn't played there for a long time. And I know they were trying to rotate people in and out and get Kernan his first start but I think you saw Caves his definite value in the team on mm. Friday night well before we uh, Johnny you're, you're waving your finger at me here I don't know what it means I was, I was looking for the weekly tunnel but it's disappeared because it was a question about Cave that we should have been oh asked. yes I've, I've, well, got it, I've got it here it's, it's disappeared great Did, the Daily Donal, he asks, is it a surprise that Darren Cave only got a one-year extension for this season uh, after last year? I think there was a time, probably a, maybe a little bit later than this in the season, when it didn't look like Darren Cave was going to get a contract extension at all. The mm. contract came very yeah. late in the day. Like, yeah, it was like we, April, wasn't it? Yeah, we were into uh-huh. the springtime whenever the contract actually came. And it's another one of those situations where... Like we've all been big uh, supporters of what Darren Cave brings to the Ulster side when he's starting, but it's another one of those sort of funny situations. I think last year where it was clearly just the coaches that were here didn't read him, or not didn't read him, weren't just weren't selecting him, mm-hmm. so he wasn't getting a run of games. Then he was coming in for games like Zebra away. And Andrew Trimble was actually the same. They were all coming. In, they were coming into the same sort of games, and then there was no continuity in the performance. And then they all, it almost felt like they were left to carry the can for that because you're hung out to dry in a way if you come into a game like that and it goes it goes badly. The reason that the games go badly are because you don't have that continuity in your performance because there's a rake of changes made. And then as the senior man, you're expected to drive it. But at the end of the day. You maybe haven't played in four weeks, so you're coming in rusty. And that, to me, always seemed like it was going to be Darren's problem last year, the fact that he just wasn't able to get a run of games together. I suppose then, from Ulster's point of view, by offering one year a deal, they're playing at safe. He hasn't played that much rugby. If things don't, don't go well, then it's only one year. And Darren Cave's probably... like I mean, they're going to be able to then offer him another year or whatever if things do go well because he's not exactly going to jump ship quickly. You wouldn't think he's an Ulsterman through and through. Next yeah. year they're going to be confident. Well, look, if it go well, we'll just sign him again. Yeah, his family's here. He's got his business interests here. But at the same time, from a negotiating point of view, he's probably saying that he could go, go elsewhere. Like, there will yeah. have been... Or there will be interest again, now especially, mm-hmm. um, given how he's played. But... It'll be interesting to monitor that throughout the season because with Louis Ludic being out, with Luke Marshall being out, uh, we haven't seen Jacob Stockdale yet. So 
there's been, and then obviously Will Anderson missing time as well, there haven't been a heck of a lot of options to rotate the, the back line around. So he's played and he's played really well, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops throughout the season when Dan McFarland has near enough a full choice back line to pick from. Now, we always say that there's no point debating first choice because you're never going to have everyone available, but the back line injuries, with the exception of Luke Marshall, he's going to miss the majority of the season. You know, you throw Lee Ludic and Jacob Stockdale into the mix again. And for that sort of December period, at least, before Henry Spate goes back to Australia, you're, you're trying to fit guys in. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Dan McFarland there, so before we totally leave off the looking back section, here's what he had to say about the match on Friday evening. We're, we're disappointed we didn't win. You know, we came um, with the objective of winning. Uh, we felt we could. Um, I still feel as if we, uh, uh, we should have won. But in the in the first half, um, we didn't play the territory game perfectly, um, and we missed a couple of tackles, which meant that uh, we ended up in our half defending for too long. Um, any opportunity that we held onto the ball or executed well off set piece, we were scoring tries. Um, Dave, the beneficiary of them, um, so that that was good. Um, but I think overall, the five-day turnaround, the um, the injuries that we suffered in the lead-up to the game, um, the injuries that we suffered in the first quarter of the game, um, and then only being, you know, only having a, a limited amount of forwards then to cover in very trying conditions for us. Uh, I, I was really impressed. So to fight back in that second half, um, to take three points away from the uh, away from the match was um, not, I'm not going to say satisfying, but I am going to say that, uh, um, you know, well done to the lads. Looking ahead then, Munster away on Saturday evening. I suppose as it was last week, the main talking point ahead of this is going to be the team selection. So Neil McCune asks, will there be a squad rotation uh, this weekend after the South Africa trip and with Europe on the horizon? I think you will see a bit but it's probably more a case of Ulster are going to welcome quite a few guys back this week. So it's mm. not really rotation. It's more changes because there are guys available. Um, I th- I so think you expect a fair, like they're not going to, basically any of these guys coming back or whatever, the, there's not going to be many players exactly rested ahead of Europe or anything in this match? No, because at this point you are now sort of in gearing up for Europe mode where you're bringing back all your guys and you're getting ready to play your full strength teams or two a week a week or two ahead of Europe so you're gonna have the likes of Ian Henderson and uh, Jordy Murphy coming back after missing the South Africa trip uh, Jacob Stockdale's on the verge of coming back we might see him this week or next week uh, Marty Murs close to coming back as well so there are guys coming back in which means there are going to be changes, but it's not going to be rotation. Uh, this conversation would be a lot more relevant if we weren't having the <laughs> podcast recording again before this week's press conference. Shall we, uh, should we throw in some Dwayne Peel audio to give him more up-to-date? Um, we should. Let's do that. Here's what Dwayne Peel is <laughs> going to say in a couple of hours. Time. Brilliant segue, lads. <laughs> so just obviously from the, the bumps we had last week, Sean and Vian, um, 
the extent of it. We do, we don't know the injuries extent, but then likely they'll be involved this week. So uh, who else do you want to know about? Um, Henry Speed. Yeah, he's took a bit of a knock, so again we're waiting on result of him. Um, so we'll see we'll see how he he pulls up. Obviously with the travel and things, we only really come back this morning because we didn't get back late till Sunday night. So. Um, the medics have been, have been pretty, pretty full on at the minute, um, assessing a few things. But I suppose later in the week we'll have a we'll have a more tomorrow. Really, we'll end up today. Craig, hopefully, hopefully he'll be um, he'll be okay. We're assessing him as we go, uh, both him and Will. Um, so um, obviously there were two losses for us just before the game. Really, which is tough last week. But yeah, it's just an assessment assessment of them as they go. Hopefully, hopefully they'll be okay. John Cooney and Marty Maru will be available this week. John will, Marty won't. Yeah, so cool. Any other Irish Jacob's Dogville. Jacob's very close. So um likelihood of events maybe. Likelihood next week. Yeah, Hendy's back in the mix. Hendy will be back, yep. Yeah, Hendy's good to go. So um yeah, again, um Rory's not far off as well. Um yeah, so hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll be able to get all our Irish contingent back, which will be which will be a big boost for us really. Well there had been some chat on last week's podcast. Uh, I know Jonathan, you and Michael seemed quite pessimistic and just were basically uh, noting this down as a monster win already. Is is, is that the case? I think so. Like, um, this is one of those games that just you're very, very rarely going to win. Um, history bears that out. You know, you're talking about 2014 since the last time Ulster won down there, and that was with a shadow team. I know they had chances to win. Um, the missed conversion in the 80 whatever minute. Um, James McKinney's crowning moment as an Ulster man. No, that was Humphrey's missed conversion. James, oh, sorry, James I, sorry, I thought we were still talking game. about the win. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, the uh, the game a few years later that they yeah um, missed the conversion to win it. Yep. And then, other than that, when you're talking about full strength teams, you're going back to 2012 um, in the quarter final, which is a long time ago now. Monster, I would say, are definitely going to produce a reaction from their result in Cardiff over the weekend, which was a particularly poor performance, really. Um, still looks like they're trying to best work out how to use Joey Carberry is probably the um, the best way to put it. Um, we've seen flashes of what he can do, um, but it still hasn't bedded in. Um Probably as well as it will a couple of months down the line, maybe. There's obviously um, no real continuity at scrum half either with uh, Connor Murray not having played. But I think if you're looking at, you know, Reese Marshall will be a loss for them. He's somebody that's been playing very well, but um, Scannell back in training this week, Keith Earls back in training this week. Uh, it seems as if they're certainly going to be able to go as locked and loaded as they can for this game, even with Leinster and the Aviva the week after. But the thing that me and Michael had spoken about last week was, do you almost punt this game yeah. and um, send down a shadow side? But the issue with that is, as Adam alluded to there, the fact of the matter is that their internationals haven't played. So the people that you would be looking to potentially rest ahead of a run <laughs> of Connacht at home, Leicester at home, Racing 
away and then dragons after that mm-hmm. um, to maximize your return from those games haven't played any rugby yet so you need to get these guys back into the back mm-hmm. into the mix to be so you may actually see a team that looks an awful lot stronger on paper than what we have seen in the first four weeks but one that is short on game time mm-hmm. yeah. it's good for the pro 14 that's going to work out that way and I know it's not <laughs> I know the two teams selected aren't going to be selected purely on the pro 14 needs this but well, I think the festive derby is a testament to that well yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly I was very surprised to see Matt Williams' comments earlier in the week about how he's not convinced by Johan van Graan. You've got to take a lot of context into how Munster's season has begun. And it's very similar to Ulster in that you don't have your internationals at the start of the season, so you have to bed them back in slowly. Um, On top of that, he's dealing with a new... uh, Losing your very key scrum half... And having your new fly half in as well, which means you're going to have that betting in period. So I don't quite share the view that he has that Van Graan's not the man for Munster, especially given this is his first full season in charge. And See, this is what I'm guessing the problem is, because the way that last season went with everybody knew Razzie was leaving, and it was the big sort of long goodbye that he had, then Van Graan's probably given a buy ball for last season which at the end of the day they weren't particularly far away from um, going on deep runs into two competitions mm. um, or sorry, being the final of two competitions they weren't far away from they did go on deep runs in two competitions and then you're expecting more from them this season but the way the fixtures have went for them yeah they've had, they've had two tough away games have been difficult because you've had two tough away games like then, Glasgow and Cardiff are not bankers of wins and no but the problem is, the problem is that you've had two tough away games but they haven't had an opportunity to impress at home because they've had two completely mm. facile wins because they beat mm. the Cheetahs um, in a game that wasn't a game and then Ospreys rested everybody yeah. to go over to I was going to say Dolman Park but I think that game was in Cork it was in Cork um, so they haven't had a chance to impress sorry they haven't had a chance to impress at home because yeah. They've virtually been... If they hadn't got 10 points in their home games, it would have been a disappointment. Mm. And then their chances to impress have been away. And as you say, tough places to go. They've lost both of them. And they were particularly unimpressive on Friday night. Yeah. This this is going to be a different monster side to what you've seen so far. Uh, if, if you're basing how Ulster are going to do in Toman Park on Saturday on how Munster played last week, you're comparing two completely different teams that are going to be uh, going out there. They'll probably look rather similar on paper, but in terms of what they'll be able to produce, Monster are completely different based at home, if Johnny would turn his phone off while we were recording the podcast. <laughs> Busy man, need to scoop. So, scoops are coming in. <laughs> but to get back to the rugby, combined with... Uh, Combined with the fact that Ulster historically don't do well at Tillman Park, as Johnny was saying, you'd happily take a point out of this game and get on to Connacht. Like the, this, this isn't the game that if if they can get a win, <laughs> absolutely, it's it's fantastic. But I think honestly, and if you ask the squad this, you'd take a point from this game and you'd run to Connacht. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I would have been. If you're looking at the season, I think it's a, a massive boost that they haven't lost a game yet. Mm. But 
this is where if you were looking at the start of the season you'd say well if they do really well um, they can beat Scarlets and Edinburgh mm-hmm. and they'll be able to you would expect them to have maybe lost one in South Africa maybe lost one of the home games so as we said to be unbeaten four games in is good but I think it would be incredible if they were unbeaten after five mm-hmm. frankly and I, I would have said that at the start of the season because this is just a fixture that historically going back for a long time virtually more than a decade now has not been a happy haunting yeah. round. And like, Given the points they have, basically anything's a bonus here on this weekend, really. Isn't what, it? I, what I want to say is Ulster keep their momentum going. That, that that doesn't have to be a win. They don't have to win to keep the momentum going. As long as there's still sort of that, that momentum carrying over through the game and as long as they come out the mm. other side thinking, okay, well, we weren't hammered there. We were, yeah. we were still going quite well because historically Ulster get to this stage and they'll suffer some kind of a defeat like Zebra or Connacht, and suddenly the season will start to take a quick mm-hmm. nosedive. If Ulster can keep the momentum going through these two games and take it into Europe, suddenly things look different to what they have in the last couple of seasons, and so maybe there's a little bit more hope. It's not the Ulster. way that you want to look at it, a derby, because there's obviously huge traditional significance to the yeah. fixture. But the way the Pro 14s go, and you almost have cross-country Derby's now, you know, you've got Leinster, Scarlets, you've got Munster, Glasgow, you've got um, Ulster, Edinburgh even. So you're getting a little bit of needle in other games. Mm-hmm. And that almost distills the passion of the Derby a Is little bit. Is that something bit. that the league should be looking at though? Because like, even like when you say that, it's like, that's, that's kind of crap, isn't it? Well, I mean, it is. You do like to have the Derbies. And the league has done everything they can to protect the Derbies with the new conference structure. There's nothing they can really do about the IRFE and player management and losing players like that mm. in for the fixtures apart from spread the fixtures out at a different time of the year. Yeah, well it but that well that's what it's gonna say. Like, like for it, instance how they have them structured out. Surely. For instance it seems a bit strange that Ulster play Leinster on the fifth of January and then don't have another Derby game until what the, end, the last game of the season, second last game of the season, something like that, when they play Leinster again. Like, That's right. The yeah, interpros yeah. for Ulster are essentially over bar one game in January. Mm-hmm. It's not clear how many full-strength teams will have seen. But, sorry, the point that I was originally trying to make was, you don't want to say this for a derby game, but this game means an awful lot more to Munster than it does for Ulster. Mm-hmm. It's purely mm-hmm. in terms of the league, because you're looking at it, if Ulster get a point, then you would think they're not going to say it but they would take that before the game and if you look as Adam said with Monster's previous fixture list their next run of games is Leinster in the Aviva Exeter in Exeter Gloucester at Thoman Park and Glasgow in Thoman Park so everyone's got a big October but they have a huge month ahead <laughs> after this game and they really do need the momentum whereas Ulster are looking at it in the sense that one point would make one point and then beating Connacht here would make that as successful a run at the start of the season as they've had in a few years. Yeah. As Adam mm. says, they haven't had that zebra mm. in September type slip-up that they've had mm. a few times. Mm-hmm. And then really as an opportunity to try and get some boys, some key players that haven't played much rugby so that they're primed for Leicester. Because that Leicester game, the way Leicester are going, is a real opportunity to start Europe off with a flyer 
Imagine this, how optimistic we'll be at that stage. <laughs> this, is, this is where the conference system also falls down, in my opinion, because from an Ulster perspective, you don't have to worry about what Munster do in the game. You can let Munster score 15 tries mm. as long as Ulster get a point from it, as long as Ulster gets something from it. Because Munster in another conference, you know, you, it doesn't matter what they do, it doesn't affect Ulster. As long as well, Ulster get gets score something. A points, you're highly yeah. unlikely well, no, to get a no, point. No, no, <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm over exaggerating to make a point. It, you know, Munster can score however many points as they want, as long as Ulster are within seven, or yeah. as long as Ulster score more. Because Munster getting five points as opposed to four doesn't affect Ulster. Munster getting one point as opposed to zero doesn't affect Ulster like because they're in different probably, conferences. Probably counterbalanced though by the increased importance put on games, say, like, the ones against Edinburgh and the ones against Scarlet's. Well, well, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, in terms of this particular game, that's what, this is where the conference system falls down. Well, while me and Johnny have a little go in these suites, Adam's going to talk to you about the Ulster A's who lost 7-3 to Cardiff on Saturday. No, they didn't. They beat Cardiff oh, 7-3. <laughs> sorry, I just wrote 7-3 down. I didn't even... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, first <laughs> first win in the new Celtic Cup, and we're not even going to get away from for that. <laughs> no, but apparently the game wasn't played in that great. Super. I'm just trying. To, sorry, I'm getting carried away with these sweets here. I'm trying to destroy okay, Johnny's great. laptop as well. Continue. He's tried to destroy <laughs> Johnny's laptop twice now, so uh, this is going really let's well. Keep it going. Let's 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 keep this show on the road, no, guys. Okay. Um, apparently the game was played in pretty poor conditions in Cardiff last week, but. Ulster, Ulster A ground out a result through a great try from Aaron Sexton, great turnover and then we all know the PSE has he just put on the afterburners and went round the outside of everyone he's someone you've really got to look out for I still think he, he has to add more to his game than just the pace but certainly the, as a winger whenever you've got that natural pace as long as you can then add the basics to it, you're going to be a heck of a player this week they played Dragons A at Eaton Park in Ballymena. That's on Saturday with a 2.30 kickoff. One of the things I want them to do is not none of the team are back from South Africa. There's going to be that that sort of desire to bring the guys back in, you know, the, the guys on the fringe of the squad and keep that going. I want to see them try and keep the youth element to it. You know, get a load of academy guys in, get them as much game time as possible, look at what they're able to do, mix in a few of the more experienced guys just to sort of give them a little bit of a helping hand. But certainly I want that focus on the youth because I think that's where Ulster need to start putting a lot more focus on the A games. Because, I mean, in terms of the Celtic Cup, it's so short you've got to pick up your wins and Ulster have only got one out of three. So unless there's a real slip-up from... Leinster A or Munster A, who are already nine points ahead of them in yeah. the poll. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get out into the semi-finals, but at, at the very least, I think focus on the young guys, see what they have, and see if they've got the potential to get a call up to the senior squad later in the later in the summer or sorry in the season. Well, one of the young guys who's going to come in this weekend or is going to play this weekend is Marcus Ray, and he is also speaking to the media. So here's a little bit from him. We knew the first two games didn't reflect us. Um, we knew that there was massive improvements that needed, you know, to, to come. And with the win that Saturday passed, 
it's something that we can build on now. So I don't think there's as much pressure on us, but if we can just play and keep building as a team and as a unit, then you know wins will come. You know everyone's there fighting for fighting for the for the jersey. So we if we can keep building and improving, then each week we can be you know we'll we'll get wins. On to the listener questions then. Uh, we have a few in this week as always. A few new names I think. Dave Canning's one of them. Certainly I haven't seen his name before. So welcome Dave. Very welcome. He says after the years of magic roundabouts regarding team selection uh, where we put on a different team every week you can see McFarland's preferred 15 taking shape. Is rotation or consistency going to get Ulster the best results this season and beyond? I think the problem from this is it's probably the most unsatisfactory answer of it's both. Yeah. Because... Ulster are going to have at a minimum of 27 games so we've had throughout the summer various English internationals and the like coming out and saying that and even Sam Warburton as well coming out and saying the amount of games that they think our rugby players should be playing a season and when you throw in 10 Ireland games it's certainly not 37 mm-hmm. so there is a need to ro- rotate in rugby. It's inherent. It's there in every sport, but so much so in yes. rugby, where you are going to be more susceptible to injury the more you play. That's just a given. They've done, you know, there's been studies in it over the last couple of years. But then there was a feeling in the last couple of years that there were sometimes change for the sake of change, changes that didn't often make an awful lot of sense. Like somebody would come in and play well and then they'd be out of the team the next week for somebody who was playing out of position or things like that. So I think the eradicating of that is a huge thing for success this season. But we are still going to see rotation. And you're talking about having, you know, see the first first choice 15 take shape. And in a way we have, but in a way we've seen the first 15 out of the pool of players currently available, Mm. which is a much smaller pool of players than we imagine will be available next month or Mm. December. So, you know, there isn't a heck of a lot of choice at the minute in terms of selection of what you would change and what you wouldn't change Mm -hmm. because the depth is really being tested at the minute. Yeah. And, you know, we've already seen things like Ian Henderson be arrested for South Africa, so on and so forth. So I think we are seeing a much more consistent team selection and I think that is a good thing. But... It's not the be all and end all because you do have to have rotation. It's just yeah. it's just something that everyone sort of has to accept. I suppose. Fair. Well, Stephen McCormick, uh, that's a regular listener. Hello again, Stephen. He asks: Should Johnny McPhillips not be given uh, some game time from the bench at least, uh, or is Angus Curtis a better starting ten if Burns is mm. injured? Well, I think the thing that you have at the minute is it's almost like an Ian Madigan, Paddy Jackson situation from Ireland selection a few years ago, where. Paddy Jackson is the better 10, but Ian Madigan offered more versatility mm. um, in terms of being able to play centre, though Jackson could probably play centre as well. But, you know, Madigan was at the World Cup as Ireland's third choice scrum half mm-hmm. the last yeah. time, wasn't um, So. Forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So. I only remember because I was trying to do a mock up uh, World Cup squad the other day. I was like, do you remember last time they took Ian Madigan as a scrum half? <laughs> anyway. Um, so Angus Curtis is in that sort of Ian Madigan rule of he can play 10 but or he can play 10 if the 10 gets injured but he's really there as a centre option who can cover 10 
Johnny McPhillips at the minute you have playing for the A side but you haven't seen that because of the South Africa trip yeah mm-hmm. so I think the overall plan and you would have seen it more if not for the fact that Johnny McPhillips went to South Africa was that Johnny McPhillips is getting much more minutes in the 10 jersey playing for the A side it's obviously not mm-hmm. at the same level but he's getting his minute, more minutes in the 10 jersey that they've obviously decided is of greater value not dissimilar to what we feel like we probably saw with Johnny Stewart earlier in the season as well and you know, we talked about that a few weeks ago um, where they these players are getting their minutes for the A side and then there's almost a feeling that they're in no man's land but it's I don't think that's the case because I think it is a matter of you're seeing more versatile players on the bench which is a benefit to the senior team and these boys are getting minutes in the Celtic Cup which is essentially what the competition's for at the end of the day. Yeah, Bound to see him in the first team before too long at some stage, aren't we? Well, like Billy Burns. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Billy Burns gets a rest because yeah. I would imagine at the minute that you would see that Johnny Phillips is still the second choice starting mm-hmm. 10, even though Angus Curtis is the backup 10 in the match day 23. And again, it's just, it's probably a long-winded way of putting it, but it's the exact example that we have from previous Ireland setups where Madigan was the reserve 10 in the 23, but whenever Sexton wasn't starting a game, we saw Jackson come in and even Ian Keatley come in at one stage. Yeah. Okay, well, Kenny Gadd asked, and I meant to drop this in earlier when we sort of touched on this uh, topic, but is the Pro 14 becoming a league where it is almost impossible to win games away from home? I have crunched the numbers. There have been five away wins in 28 games so far this season. One came from Ulster against the Kings. One came from uh, Glasgow against the Cheetahs. Uh, another one came from Glasgow against Connacht. Uh, Benetton beat the Dragons. And no, I can't remember the other one. <laughs> it was Leinster. Leinster beat Cardiff. Leinster beat Cardiff, that's what it was. Thank you. Um <clears throat> It's we were talking about this before the podcast started. It's more a testament to how much the league has improved than the difficulty of necessarily winning away games. Now, the fact that the league has improved makes it harder to win away games, but it's nothing to do with the fact they're away games. It's the fact to do with the league has improved. So you're not seeing teams go over to Dragons and easily get wins. Benetton had to really grind out that win. Leinster... In previous years, you maybe would have seen going over to Cardiff and winning a bit more easily. They really had to grind out that win. So, it's it's just a testament that the standards of the league have gone up. You're starting to see the South African teams going back home and playing a few games, which really helps those stats as well. I don't think it's... Well, I, I do think it's it's harder to win away games, but I don't think it's just because teams are struggling to win away and it's just because the standard of the league's going up if it means the general standard's going up does it also indicate that the top teams aren't quite as good as they used to be well see I think you've got this thing that decent teams win their home games and very good teams win their home games and away games but that has been skewed in recent seasons by the fact that there's been less there have been teams that just aren't decent teams in the league so we've had two rounds so far out of the four where no away team has won. 
but there is this possibility that that's something of a statistical anomaly because if you look at it, you know, Dragons have had a home game against Benetton, a home game against the Kings, and a home game against Zebra. So if you're looking at where teams are going to get their away wins, it's going to be at places like Rodney Parade, and they just haven't mm-hmm. had a very good, um, a particularly good slate of opposition. The one that you would have expected over the weekend is obviously you would have expected Glasgow to get an away win. Um, Ulster, perhaps as well, came close. Zebra beating Cardiff at home two weekends ago is another one that's um, sort of changed the complexion of it. But then you ha- you just haven't had very many teams getting away wins against mid-tier teams. Hmm. And then the lower-tier teams have had a relatively straightforward home slate of fixtures anyway. But so, Zeb- Zebra's home slate against Cardiff isn't... No, that's that, that's what I'm saying. That like that's yeah. that's an outlier. But Zebra's other home game was against the Kings. Yeah. So but the, to the, to me, that Zebra result is the perfect indicator that this league is getting better. It is because it, like it because definitely, that's it definitely is if it bears out over the entire season. Yeah. Like what, you, keep an eye on over coming yeah, months. You, you look at you look at what Cardiff like Cardiff. What was it? They were up. They were up twenty seven three or six or something like. I don't know exactly what the score was and. Zebra fought back. You wouldn't have got that even maybe a year ago. Moving on to Darren Thomas' question then. He has having only scored one bonus point from the first four games. Do you think Ulster are going to sort of regret that, he says? Um, do you think they'll miss out on the playoffs or even the Champions Cup knockout stages because of this? So if this does become a theme for Ulster, well, obviously, like, do you think it will become a theme? Is this is this something we, can, we should be reading into? If they keep if they keep winning, they won't have to worry about bonus points. Yeah, but like certainly, it. certainly, as the season goes on, and you're not going to win all your games, then you do have to start worrying about bonus points. We've seen in previous years how much Ulster have uh, have seen bonus points be their downfall. Not getting a bonus point at Oyana, um, or missing out on the. European playoffs last year if they got even a couple more bonus points they would have made the playoffs as opposed to being in the Champions Cup mm-hmm. playoffs so bonus points are very important I, I I wouldn't be too concerned at this stage of the season you'd obviously prefer Ulster getting bonus points and it is important to pick them up where you can but at the same time uh, I wouldn't be like tearing my hair out or I wouldn't be worried about missing the playoffs just yet I, I think you've, you've just got to let the results take care of themselves for for the moment and then start worrying as, as the season goes on we spoke a bit last year about the difference between Munster and Ulster in terms of actual wins being minimal mm. and the difference instead being the bonus points but if you're talking about a mentality where it's understanding that every point matters then you've still seen that because they've got seven of their 15 points have come af- have been earned after the 79th minute yeah. so if you're looking at it yes they haven't got bonus points but to me the only bonus point that they left behind them was probably the Kings yeah. and that was through the first half performance rather than the second half performance I, none of the other fixtures would be ones where I think you'd be saying they should have picked up a bonus point there it's games at home where you're talking about getting try bonuses but I don't think against the likes of Edinburgh and Scarlets. I know, obviously, 
Leinster are the example that everyone cites. Well, time's taken on as always. Adam's back with your club roundup. Um, the All Ireland League starting this weekend. Indeed, but we've got to go back to last weekend first well, because <laughs> because the Ulster Rugby Premiership was still ongoing. So last week in Division One, Queens caused yet another upset, adding Balna Hinch to their list of scalps with a 25-15 bonus point win at Ballymacarn Park. Banbridge got the better of City of Armagh 22-18 at Rifle Park, and Malone hit Ballymena for six tries. That is in a 46-17 win at Gibson Park. So that means after three games, Malone and Queens lead the way on 11 points, one point ahead of Banbridge in third, with Ballinahinch fourth on nine points, Ballymena and City of Armagh bringing up the rear on three points and one point respectively. And in Division 2, Belfast Harlequins won a thriller at Darmore Park, defeating Oma 27-26, with both sides coming away with try bonus points, and Oma getting the losing bonus point as well, obviously. Dungallon took four points in a 22-5 win over City of Derry, and Rainy Old Boys clung on to beat Bangor 33-26 with a bonus point, the visitors getting two bonus points from that one. Uh, so that means Rainy sit top, still unbeaten on 14 points. Belfast Harlequins are unbeaten as well, but they have one less bonus point and are on 13. There's the importance of bonus points coming in again uh, Dungan are third with nine points City of Derry fourth with five with five Bangor fifth with four and Oma on three at the bottom and then looking ahead to this week yes the All-Ireland League is back Division 1 does not start this week so most of uh, or all, all the Ulster teams in Division 1B don't get started until uh, next week but in Division 2A, Queen's University welcome Old Crescent to the dub. In Division 2B, Dungannon are at home to Scaries, while Belfast Harlequins are away to Galway Corinthians and Rainy Old Boys are away to MU Barnhall. And in Division 2C, Oma are away to Ballina. I can't remember how to pronounce that. Ballina or Ballina. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, City of Derry welcome Tullamore and Bangor are on the road to Malahide. And the Miller McCall Wiley Junior Cup is on again this week. Ballamoney hosts Porta Down, Cooker home to Ballinahinch Twos, Jamore at home to Ballyclare, and Stonians at home to Malone Twos. Carrick Fergus are away to Larne, Limavady are at home to Ards, Clocker Valley travel to Lisburn, and Randallstown host Grosvenor. If it's the same Ballina that has the golf course, then it's definitely Ballina. Okay, it's Ballina, and I apologise to everyone from Ballina for not knowing how to pronounce your tongue. We have a big listenership down there. We absolutely don't. Um, Johnny, you're well, you're both going to Queens tonight for the their launch of the season. How do you reckon they'll get on against Old Crescent this weekend? Look, they're going well at the minute. Um, certainly, I think they've sprung a few surprises. Um, Early on, so it's a game I'm looking forward to to see uh, how they do. I haven't seen them yet this season, so going up on Saturday, looking forward to it. And uh, they'll be looking to build on that momentum that they've started in the Premiership. We always talk about the Senior League or Sony Premiership, especially in the early weeks of the season, being a different beast because it's just a different um, panel that you see week to week. Mm. But Queens are a team that, by their very nature, need time to gel together mm. because of the such turnover of. Um, students so they're probably a side that can be most encouraged by what they do early Mm. in the season Um, because then they're just carrying it through and you will see them occasionally lose players to the Irish under 20s and stuff but other than that their continuity is key Mm -hmm. for them 
So if they can build on what they've done in the last couple of months, it, they should be looking to make a good start to the season. I was speaking to Derek Suffern a couple of weeks ago and he was saying how happy he is with the depth of the squad they have this year, which, as Johnny alluded to, is something that they don't always have with the turnover of students. You, you're never yeah. quite sure what you're going to get and what's going to be coming through next year, especially when they've lost a few guys to other clubs this year, the likes of Johnny Stewart and Angus Curtis have both now moved on to uh, Banbridge and Malone respectively. So it's very good to see that uh, the squad they have is something that he can work with. And uh, how, how high could they be looking in terms of an Ireland League finish? Um, I, I think I, th- you, I think it's always mid-table. Like I don't think just by its very nature they're not getting the same amount of um, club. Or, sorry, um, Ulster talent that the other teams are getting, and they're mm-hmm. only getting it for a year or two. Yeah. And there's just there's a whole different set of challenges at Queen's than other clubs have because they're a university side. But what you really want to see is Queen's almost the play. You want to see Queen's players performing well on the understanding that they are going to go and play for other clubs. Yeah, they're not going to have that decade-long attachment that some players have so mm-hmm. it's it's just the nature of it really well, we're p- uh, picking them for a win this weekend though yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you guys need to be able to look them all in the eye tonight with a clean <laughs> conscience <laughs> they're, they're doing the, the great thing of actually having a media launch for their season so we'll probably just predict them to win all year <laughs> fair play we're now Queen's fans we've left all previous allegiances <laughs> behind um, you will be speaking to David Whitten, their captain, uh, about the season ahead. So here's a little bit about what he thinks. I've said about what he thinks again. Well, obviously, the goal is promotion. And, and we're going to have to be really competitive and try and be really competitive, uh, you know, to try and get to the top four, even, you know, solidify a place at the top. Um, so, yeah, the aim is to, to, to get promotion, you know, and, and to build on from the start we've had. What's the group of guys like this year? Because I know uh, as students you tend to have quite a big turnover of players like some other clubs might not have. Aye, well, there's plenty of new faces, you know, like every year. And, and you know, we're just trying to get them all fitted in. And, and, and they're doing quite well at the minute. And uh, it's been quite a good atmosphere around training around the club uh, at the start of the year. So hopefully that just keeps going and, you know, everybody starts uh, getting involved as much as they can. Suff was saying you have quite a deep squad this year. There's a lot of talent coming through. Coming in. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very it's, it'll be competitive for places, which is obviously a good thing because it'll keep everybody on their toes and in, in, in trainings and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, to have a big squad, probably a wee bit bigger than other years, it should help us in the long run. Tough start, Old Crescent this week. How much are you looking forward to getting out there and getting started? Well, it'll be great to get out in the, on the big pitch at the dub again. Uh, we haven't really haven't had that yet, so. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, and obviously getting back into the All Ireland League, to, it's a bigger test for you, and you know, hopefully the boys uh, front up to that test, and, and we can go out and you know, uh, get the W on Saturday. And that's really us uh, for this week then. So from David Whitten, from uh, Jonathan Bradley, cheers, from Adam McCambry, cheers guys, and myself Gareth Anna, thanks for listening.